This is The Guardian. Just a warning before we start, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners are advised that this episode contains references to people who have died. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is The Full Story. He was 15 years old and doing something that many kids around this country do every day, walking home from school with friends. And then, it's alleged, he was attacked, dying in hospital just days later. The killing of 15-year-old Noonga and Yamachi boy Cassius Turvey has sent shockwaves around the country. And this week, there's been dozens of vigils in his honour held in major cities and towns. A 21-year-old man has been charged with murder, and as investigations continue, many are trying to grapple with this loss and why this young Aboriginal boy's life was taken. He's just not my loss, he's everyone's loss, even people that didn't know him. Today, Indigenous Affairs reporter Sarah Collard speaks to family and friends about the life of Cassius Turvey. It's Thursday, the 3rd of November. You know, he would think of himself, but all along he would also think of others as well. So he was such a caring and generous boy? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. He just had his arms around so many people. I know somewhere I read or in a paper or something, old soul. (laughs) Yeah, he was. Sarah, you've been speaking to the family of Cassius Turvey, including his mum, Michelle. Tell me about her. So Michelle Turvey is from a very well-known and respected Aboriginal family in Perth. She has worked in the WA prisons for a long time, supporting incarcerated people there. She's done a lot of work in radio, Noongar Radio, so she's a person that a lot of people know and you can really see that reverberated throughout just how shocked people are about this case. Mm. I spoke to Michelle on the phone last week and she told me about Cassius and what kind of boy her her son was. I wish my son would recognise that he was such a leader. (laughs) You know, some of um, the feedback I've got from Cassius's friends is when they were struggling um, with their issues, they would go to him for some advice, you know, and they always appreciated that he was that kind of go-to um, person, you know, and that's, that's leadership, you mm-hmm. know. He was someone who loved learning about his culture and his history and he loved hearing the stories from his elders and really working with them about, you know, understanding his culture and, you know, his place in the world and that gave him such a beautiful standing. He, he, you know what, he's one of these kids that we rose to respect his elders and he... We gave him the protocols, you know, when we <laughs> seen family or when we went to a group and unfortunately a lot of the times were during funerals. 
he was taught and he always followed through. You go to your elders first and a hug for the nans and a shake of the hands to the pops. He was as someone who loved basketball, helping his friends with homework, loved metalwork, was was really someone who the whole community looked up to and was really seen as the, the pop, the, the elder of his little friends crew. And I think that's the thing that's, you know, hit the community so hard about his passing. I also spoke to Emily Farmer, who is the mum of one of Cassius's best friends, and he is a 14-year-old boy. Yeah, they were joined at the hip. <laughs> and he was, just, he was just the solid rock. He was, it was the great influence on the group friends, to be honest. Yeah. You know, if Cassius was there, you know the boys would be doing all right. They had studied and played together and they even started their own business. You know, Cassius encouraging her son to start up a resume and do a pay-what-you-can lawn mowing business. So, you know, the, the boys had such a lovely impact on their community there in Perth. What kind of boy was he? Oh, so respectful. He'd always come in and say, hi, auntie, with this big grin on his face and come and give you a big hug. You know, and it's so funny, like, all the little jokes and little quirks that he's got, you know. So, Sarah, what have we learned about what happened to Cassius? Well, we should um, be clear that the police are still continuing their investigation into the circumstances around Cassius's death, and that's ongoing. So we'll be learning more about that as they make that publicly available and talk about the case. But police allege that Cassius Turvey and a group of his friends were walking home from school in Middle Swan on Perth's outskirts on the 13th of October, when it's alleged that a 21-year-old man who was a pastor passenger in a black ute uh, got out of the car and basically um, is alleged to have attacked Cassius um, with a metal pole. He suffered severe injuries. He was taken to a hospital in Perth by ambulance. He was then released for a few hours before going back after his condition deteriorated. And then he was in hospital for five days before he uh, sadly passed away from his injuries and his family had to make the very difficult decision to turn off his life support. What about the alleged attacker? What's happened to him? The 21-year-old man, Jack Stephen James Brearley, has been charged with murder and he's also facing assault and stealing charges in relation to another boy in the group who is just 13 years old. According to the police, the young boy was already injured and was walking home uh, on crutches with three of the other boys from Middleview High School in Perth's northeastern suburbs. And police allege that the 21-year-old stole those crutches and the charge of stealing relates to the theft of the crutches. He also allegedly struck the 13-year-old, hence the charge of assault. The commissioner has not ruled out other charges as the homicide squad is continuing to investigate this attack. There are allegations that racial slurs were made during the attack. And last week, the prime minister called this a racially motivated attack during a nationally televised press conference. This is just a terrible tragedy. And this uh, attack that clearly uh, is racially motivated uh, just breaks your heart. We're a better country than that. And uh, my heart goes out to the family and the friends. Is that something the police are investigating, the alleged kind of racial motivations behind this attack? 
So police have been pretty tight-lipped around their investigation as their inquiries are ongoing and there's a lot of complexities given the young people that are involved and the witnesses, but they haven't ruled out racism and they are still looking at all lines of inquiry. The police have also encouraged the community and wider public not to speculate either while the investigation is ongoing and a person has been charged. Um, the elders and the Aboriginal community is, is very strongly pushing for them to really be looking at racism as one of the motivating factors. And I mm. think the Prime Minister talking about this and calling it a, a racially motivated attack as something that has galvanised a lot in the community for saying those words out loud. What else have the police had to say about the attack so far? So police have also said that the accused man's vehicle has been damaged a a day earlier, apparently. They believe that the boys uh, had nothing to do with anything involved. They've actually categorically ruled that out. And the WA police commissioner says um, that Cassius was a a victim, an innocent victim in in the attack, Um, and he was simply spending time with his friends when he was assaulted. And separately, the commissioner has also caused controversy when he said Cassius Turvey may have been in the wrong place at the wrong time, and that was seen as being very hurtful and insensitive, seeing as Cassius was not in the wrong place. He was just a child walking home from school with his friends when he was attacked. Sarah, Cassius's death has provoked an outpouring of grief around the country. What have you learned about the impact on those closest to him? Yeah, when I spoke to his mum, Michelle, she was understandably devastated, um, still reeling from the loss. Coping, I'm coping day by day and sometimes, you know, um, hour by hour. Uh, my family coping, we're all, we're all heartbroken. Um, yeah. the, the children um, that are, you know, best mates or not even so much close to Cassius, you know, all the children at Cassius High School, they're all heartbroken. Mm-hmm. They're all they're all hurt. They're 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 feeling anger as well. Michelle has also spoken this week about the fact that Cassius was the first and only child she had with her late husband, Sam Turvey, and they were still in mourning for Sam, who died from cancer just a few months ago. And when Cassius also died, she told rallies this week, and I quote, that I didn't think that I would be burying my son within months of losing Cassius's dad. One of the boys who was present during the alleged attack was Emily's 14-year-old son, Cassius's close friend. How is he processing all of this? I mean, obviously he has lost his best friend and that's causing a lot of trauma and grief and being there and witnessing that attack would have also had a profound effect. Uh, A lot of emotions. Mm -hmm. Sorry. No, you're right, you're right. Take your time. Oh, just, you know, the survivor's kind of guilt, the regret of going that way, the, mm-hmm. the, the not believing it. Yeah. You know, I'm just not feeling safe and then angry. Yeah. All the, all the kind of emotion that, you know, it's just such a senseless act can, can cause. 
And, and Emily also spoke about parents and caregivers being really worried about the kids, you know, holding their kids closer, being afraid that they might be victims, that there's a lot of fear around this now that something like this could happen. I was feeling like this, it wasn't safe for our boys to kind of be around, but, you know, people are realising that these are our children, these, you know, they are from this area, you know, and I feel like but once it all calms down, it, it will settle back into maybe feeling a bit safer than it, than it was, which is really sad that it's had to get to this extreme. So, Sarah, this grief has turned to action. Can you tell me a bit about how communities, especially black communities around Australia, have responded to this moment? So there's been around 40 vigils and rallies held all around the country and also around the world. We've had rallies being held in Los Angeles and and New Zealand as well. So this is something that has really galvanised people all around the world. People have also been responding to support and uplift Cassius's family and and one way that they're doing that is by giving money to the family. You know, they're trying to pay for funerals, they're trying to get justice for their son. So ordinary people have have now raised more than half a million dollars for Cassius's family and and that's an extraordinary amount. The rallies and vigils are, you know, just just honouring my son and asking for justice, but there's so much more happening. People such as artists are doing auctions. I've had offers to even paint my son's casket, flowers prayed. There's just absolutely so much love and support um, for my son and also for, you know, his little mates and my families as well. It's it's overwhelming, but it's it's a beautiful, overwhelming feeling. And that just goes to show just how much this this death has really impacted our mob and, and just Aboriginal people and people all around the country. It's not just about um, me and my loss of my beautiful son, but I also want to wrap my arms around um, my family and around these children that were so close to Cassius, <laughs> their, their family and also the school and, and the country and community that we live in. So, Sarah, can you talk me through what we've seen of these vigils and protests that have been held around the country? So on, on Monday night in Perth, we saw the vigil held there and that was one of the first events held to really commemorate and honour his life. Looking at the pictures and the vision coming out of that rally, you can see thousands of people turning out and they've got candles, they've got placards, they're wearing T-shirts with Cassius's image on it, you know, it says Forever 15. We also saw a few prominent faces. The police commissioner was there, the uh, deputy Premier of, of the McGowan government was also there and there were also a couple of other ministers there from his ministry. It was a, a sombre mood but it was also one of celebration and people really coming together and I think that has meant a lot for the family. It's just bringing community together. This is black and white, you can see the diversity of people here. We saw Michelle in Perth speaking about her loss and just remembering the the great boy that her son was. I found that really powerful and, yeah, she was grief-stricken, but she was 
speaking through her anguish and trying to come to terms with that. The words the whole country has been waiting for, they're just words, but they mean so much to us. It's like, oh, you're on the same page as our hearts, you know? Thank you very much. Thank you. That means so much. Next, justice for Cassius. Sarah, what will the process of justice look like for the family from here? So justice and just what that looks like through the criminal court process can take many months, can take years. Um, But I spoke to Michelle and she had some tough questions for the police commissioner, one of which was why police had only initially taken a brief statement from Cassius uh, about the attack and they never got the chance to really examine what happened from his point of view. Cassius did give some recollection, but in his state could not give everything. We gave them the detective some information. They had five days before he passed away to go to the hospital to take another. Cassius then stayed in hospital for a further five days and we did not hear from any uh, detectives, no police, nothing. And Michelle was angry that they did not take that opportunity. That was their opportunity. Mm -hmm. That was their window. Uh to get a statement. Has Michelle and, you know, members of the Indigenous community been able to speak to the police about their concerns? They have. So the commissioner has met with Michelle and the Turby family privately to express his condolences, to talk about the ongoing investigation and to, you know, talk about through the next steps to this grieving family. Mm. And the commissioner and other senior police officers have also met with the Aboriginal community Noongar leaders as well and they've spoke about, you know, apologising about some of those comments that, you know, we're talking about Cassius being in the wrong place at the wrong time and the hurt that those, unintentionally, that those comments caused. And, uh, you know, uh, leaders that I spoke to have, have said that they have taken that on the on the chin, that they acknowledged that, that they had some frank discussions with the police, that they were respectful, and that the police actually listened to their concerns and their views and that it was quite a healing moment for, for them about how to move forward and really try and create something positive to come out of this and really look at, you know, how how the community can move forward. And one of the leaders that I spoke to, Jim Morrison, he talked about having a healing place for young children and young kids and community to go to, that they can talk about and yarn and, and share their grief, but also come together in times of, of happiness and joy and just have a, a space that's for them that they can be as Aboriginal people. Sarah, in Mourning for Cassius, members of the community have highlighted other unrelated deaths of young Aboriginal boys in Western Australia in recent years. There's 14-year-old Elijah Doughty in Kalgoorlie, where a man was found not guilty of manslaughter, instead convicted of a lesser charge of causing death by dangerous driving. There's also the two Aboriginal boys who drowned in Swan River after being chased by police. An inquest found that police that pursued them had acted appropriately. Can you talk me through why these cases are so present in people's minds, Sarah? 
Well, I think that uh, a lot of times when a young person passes away in tragic and often violent circumstances when they didn't need to, that that causes a lot of pain and anger for the families, but also the wider Aboriginal community, that they feel that their lives didn't matter, that they didn't get what they would have hoped for through the criminal justice system. So that is something that continues to cause a lot of pain and grief and anger. And and that is the one thing that I think really hurts a lot of people in the WA community and in the Perth community at this time is that, you know, this is just one of many deaths that are really hurting. Sarah, you grew up in this area, you're a Baladong Noor woman. What has it been like for you reporting on this? It's been very tough. Um, I think, you know, reporting on something like this that affects your community and, you know, a lot of the people and the names that are involved. And, you know, speaking with people who have been impacted by this and community leaders and elders, you can't talk about what happened to Cassius without talking about the other things that have happened in the past. And, you know, just last week we saw the anniversary of the Pinjara massacres that affected, you know, dozens of Noongar people. So this is something that causes a lot of pain and trauma and it has a very long impact. It feels like it's one thing after another for many people in Perth and, you know, uh, it's not one death, it's many. So how does Cassius's mum, Michelle, feel about embarking on this process of, of getting justice and this long process of going through the courts that's ahead of her? I think she is committed. I think that she is strongly wanting to pursue answers and I, I think she hopes that she'll get those answers and justice for, for Cassius over what's happened. Do you want answers basically through the, through the justice system, through the court system? Yeah, I do. Do you think you'll get that? Who knows? But there's no harm in asking. It's such a, like, humble request of the justice system. It is, and, and she actually mentioned that a couple of times, that she was asking for justice. She wasn't even calling or urging for it. It was a request of the criminal justice system, which seems extraordinary. That was Indigenous Affairs reporter Sarah Collard. You can find more of Sarah's reporting on Cassius's case, including a wrap of the vigils held around the country on Wednesday at theguardian.com. We've linked to that on the Full Story page as well. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Alison Chan and Karishma Luthria. Sound design and mixing by Camilla Hannon. The executive producers of Full Story are Miles Martignoni, Gabrielle Jackson, Molly Glassie and me, Laura Murphy-Oates. Okay, catch you next time.